You're listening to How I Sell, a podcast built for early career sales professionals. You'll hear stories, best practices, and guidance from top sales leaders on what it takes to become a sales superstar. Today's episode is made possible by Ramped Careers. Ramped is on a mission to build the next generation of workforce-ready talent. All right, everyone, welcome back. Joining us today is Darren Tomey, the SVP of North American Sales at AllCloud. Darren has spent the last 20 plus years as a sales and operations leader and expert at various companies in tech and finance. Darren, welcome to our show. Thanks a lot, Danny. uh, Pleasure to be here. Yes, of course. We're glad to have you. Very happy to have you. So for our guests who don't know you yet, who is Darren Tomey? That's a great question. It depends who you ask. Uh, the reality is I, I'm, I'm an extremely emotional and passionate guy. I do a lot of talking with my hands, as you can tell. But I'm, I'm super motivated, like a very passionate leader. I get behind whatever I uh, approach I, I want to conquer and win. I'm extremely competitive. In fact, I, I forget, like it's on Twitter or one of them. It says, you know, like, you know, in your bio, it's, mine says, I compete to win. Like, that's it. Everything to me is about winning. So that's who I am. And that's how I, that's how I lead my teams. That's awesome. That's awesome. And it's one of the reasons we were very excited to have you on the show is because we could feel your energy through the ecosystems through the social media sphere and through LinkedIn. But I, I want to take you back for a moment to those early years. You're about to graduate. You're looking into sales or potentially looking at that first set of roles. Tell tell us about your formative years and, and what you were like then. Yeah, that's a, yeah, it's interesting, man. It's a long time ago. For me, when I when I when I when I first went into uh, into the market, right um, into the job market. I, I actually started in retail, but not like traditional retail. I mean, it was retail, but I was in a leadership position as in a managerial position in a gigantic, uh, well, it was GNC, right? The health food company. Environment. Yep. And, and I quickly climbed the ladder, right? And became a divisional vice president at the age of 23, 24 years old. It's youngest, youngest in the company to, to climb that ladder. And, um, uh, but, but the interesting part was, you know, I, I learned a lot of valuable lessons then, right? Um, it, it also is, you know, that was in the mid, you know, mid nineties and, and I'll just never forget, like, you know, I was this young guy leading a division and I had, you know, 1300 locations, right. In, you know, in the, in the Midwest, all the way down through Texas and, and, and stuff. And, you know, I was always traveling and they put a laptop in my hand where I was part of the beta. The, yep. the, the, yep. and, and I'm like, wow, you know, <laughs> of course the laptop then was like a suitcase today, you know, yeah. but, but nonetheless, it was a laptop. And, and that's, and so I started doing all my stuff on a laptop and that got me buzzing, right. That got me thinking differently instead of walking around and, you know, having a clipboard and doing stuff. I, I started really engaging with technology and moving up. And, and so then I transitioned out of retail and went into technology and that's really where my career truly began. But it was because of those early days. So then let's fast forward. Um, you know, some of the, you know, the first, you know, I literally was a, a, a you know, divisional vice president, you know, making great money. And I walked away, right? I said, man, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm busting my ass, right? Uh, you know, I'm working 75, 80 hours a week. I'm away from my friends, my family. I was all over the place. I said, there's got to be a better life. And I got my hands on this technology. I went, that's where I'm going. So I, I left everything that I had built over a seven-year period of time because I believed in something different, right? I believed that this new device, right, that I held in my hands was truly going to be the way the business was going to be done. And I was just going to immerse myself in it. And so that's what I did. So I left. 
And I actually went to work for like CompUSA, you know, the, the old computer stores, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, but not like on a retail floor, but I, 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 went, I went into their uh, corporate, uh, their, their commercial sales division. And that's where I started cutting my teeth, man. That's where, you know, I had to, you know, had to, had to start figuring out, you know, how to, how to get into, to my accounts and how to, you know, how to, how to identify who the right accounts were versus the wrong accounts and, and doing that kind of stuff, you know, and, and that started building that foundation. Right. Uh, but, yep. but technology, that's how, that's how technology became part of my life. And, and I've never looked back ever since, you know, I've always, I've been in a lot of companies uh, and, and different vertical, but it's always been a focus of, you know, enablement, right. Leveraging yep. technology. And I hate the term, uh, you know, but it, it, you're transformative, right. Um, innovative. Uh, that's, I hate those terms, but that's really what has drawn me that direction in the first place. And so my entire career has been focused on it. That's super interesting. And that leap that you made from GNC to tech back in the day, or what was the emerging and budding technology business that had to be somewhat difficult. It's not, you know, normal to jump into like a new industry. How did that feel? How did it make you feel to jump from something kind of known to unknown? Yeah, it was scary as hell. But, but I, but I also believed, right. You know, I knew that. So, so the thing about me, right. And I, I talk about being passionate, right. I, when, when I see something, I will completely immerse myself in it, you know? And so I knew that that's who I was. I knew that if I said, you know, I no longer am going to be a slave to retail. Right. And that's what it felt like at the time. I want to, I want to control my own, my own destiny. I want to, I want to be in control of what I do. And so that that was my my uh, that was my belief, right? That was I saw this thing and I said, man, I I know that this is going to be the future, and and I want to be in something that's growing. And so I was willing to take that risk based on me, like I believed in my ability and the reward on that effort. Yeah, that's very important and impactful, and brings me to my next question of of why did you jump? right into sales did you know that was in you or did you have to learn that through your first commercial sales role yeah great question it was it was born in me man uh my my father is an entrepreneur uh growing up uh you know he had uh retail stores retail automotive stores kind of like you know advanced auto parts and and all that but it was before all that ever existed right uh but my father had, you know, a number of locations and growing up, you know, when I wasn't in school in the summer times or, you know, during Christmas breaks or fall breaks or whatever, I had to go to work with him. Right. And, and I watched him do it. You know, I watched him and he was still to this day. I, I, I still, I, I have the cold chills right now just saying that he is the best salesman I've ever met in my life. Completely uneducated, but it was all about his personality. It was his character. Right. And people just were drawn to him uh, and, and they trusted. Him. And, uh, you know, it, it, so that, that was the foundation for me. You know, I, I got to watch my father do it and, you know, I'd be in the stores and I'd, you know, of course, you know, be doing the things that I shouldn't be doing probably. Uh, but then, you know, he, he would, you know, get me in line and, and, and then he'd say, okay, now go stock the oil, right? Go, go put quarts of oil on that shelf, boy, shut up, leave me alone. You know, <laughs> the whole time I'm like this and I'm watching him the whole time, all the time from time, six years old to, you know, until, you know, he sold his, his businesses. But for years, I used to just sit there and watch him and how he interacted with people. And I was like, that's what I want to do. You know, amazing. amazing. So yeah, so 
so I, I learned early on, but it was through watching him and watching others that worked for him. It was, it was still a, it was still a transition though, right? You know, you're going from talking to someone about, you know, uh, you know, vitamins and, you know, supplements and protein powder and you know, amino acids to now I'm talking to them about, you know, network systems and, you know, configurations and all. It was just a very different thing. And, you know, the intimidation for me was, the, you know, was the intimidation was also my driving force, right? That, that fight, the, you, you have that fight or flight, right? Yeah. I, I don't flight, I fight, you know? And so that's just me by nature. And so anything that I was uncomfortable with, whether it was um, around technology or around sales qualifying. I just immersed myself in it, man. I read and read and read and, you know, absorbed as much as I could. But then I, what's always been successful and still to this day uh, is successful for me is personalizing it, right? Making it, making it my version. You can't be a robot. You can't sit there and, and, and have a list of questions in front of you as you're talking to a customer and you're like, so tell me about your top three business goals. What's keeping you up at night? Blah, blah, blah. If you're reading down this damn list, nobody's going to answer it, man. You got to be conversational. You got to make people, you got to help them relax, you know? So anyways, that's it. No, that was, that was awesome. Really, really awesome. And so much to learn even from that. I think, you know, having that role model in your life and early age, obviously your whole life up to that point with your dad and looking and being able to emulate some of those those skills, some of those emotional components, some of the relationship building that he clearly was great as you can, you can hear it through this interview too. How would you take that, you know, and, and given today's ecosystem and, and what's out there in terms of learning to be a salesperson, you're given a script, you're told to memorize qualification questions, you're told to kind of act like a robot. How do you take what your dad taught you and apply it? How do you teach it to folks who are just coming out? Uh, because a lot of that thing is, is a lot of those things are what we teach our, our students, you know, have personality, be a, a, be a human, don't be a robot. How do you apply it to today's, today's education around being a salesperson or being an entry-level salesperson? That's yeah, great, man. Uh, it is. Um, so it, it, you know, it's a constant, it's a constant thing that I'm always working on, but what, you know, the way that I handle that kind of stuff today, I mean, I've you know, lessons learned, right? I've got, you know, I've got scars, you know, I, I used to, you know, I went against the grain. You know, I, I went against my better judgment, you know, for, you know, time and time again, where I was like, you know, very regimented, right? And I, and I'm, I'm a very, uh, I'm a very process driven guy, but, but I also believe wholeheartedly, like to, to my core, people don't buy from companies, people buy from people, right? You know, and, and so I remind my team of that every day, right? I remind my team to go in and do your upfront research and understand what, what, you know, what's the, the nucleus of this company, right? And go read through their 10Ks and read through their annual reports or go to their website, you know, Google and, 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 and you know, look at LinkedIn and this and that and, and come in with a POV, right? Come with a point of view because even if you're wrong, you're bringing something that no one else is, right? Because nine out of 10 salespeople, they're just going to come in. They're going to go right down the list, right? They're going to, I'm a robot. Yep. You know, I tell, I, I teach my team all the time, man. Like, I want you to come in. I want you to, I want you to say, this is what I understand about you. You know, this is what, you know, I've done my research. Here's what I know, you know, based on, based on your industry and other companies similar to you, 
I'm going to guess that, you know, A, B, or C, right? One of these three things is, is, is a challenge to you today. Is that why we're having a conversation? Even if they say no, what's the next thing they're going to do? Yeah. They're, they're going gonna, gonna, to say no, but what I want to talk to you about is. Yep. And you, then it you, becomes a conversation. And you're going yep. to get that information one way or the other. But, but, but by coming in and, and being human, right? And, and building that, that, that rapport early and that, and, and establishing some credibility, right? I did my homework. I invested in this call before this call started. You already differentiate yourself from 90% of the other people that they would be talking to, right? So that it comes down to that for me and, uh, and, and my team, but I, I, I am a, I'm a guy, uh, you know, from a leadership perspective, I do not micromanage whatsoever. I hate it. You know, micromanaging to me is what managers do. I, I, I'm not good at that. Um, I don't like to be micromanaged. I've never enjoyed it. So I, I refuse to do it. But so, so how I accomplish that then is I give everything that I distribute to my team are literally bullet point, just things to trigger their mind, right? I don't list out questions. I literally have, what do they do? Who do they serve? What's their product, right? You know, like those kind of things. But instead of who do they serve, it just says serve products, audience, because I don't want them looking at something and sounding that way. I want them to say it in their own manner because that's how it comes across much more you know, personalized, right? Instead of I'm reading this list of questions. So in other words, they just kind of have this big blank piece of paper in front of it. it just has all these different things on it. Little boxes, not paper. It's, you know, inside Salesforce. But, um, you know, they just fill in the boxes, man, as they have communications, as they have you know, ongoing dialogue and discussions. And, uh, and, and that's what's worked for them. I mean, we know what our, you know, we know what our criteria is. We know what determines whether you're qualified or disqualified, right? Yep, yep. But, but you don't have to sit there and do it like a robot. Like that's the stuff that drives me insane. But I get it, you know, some people have to do it. But you won't uh, make it very long in sales. Yep, yep. That's, <laughs> that's really, really smart, really smart. And for our audience, I think the things that I took away from that one, uh, be a human. We've, we've preached this all the time and I don't mean to get preachy here, but be a human is so important because you, you're selling to another human. You're not selling to a robot until the day when you start selling to robots or when robots sell to robots, we're still selling to human uh, humans. And then to uh, do your research, right? Like if you come in prepared and I love the kind of inception thing that you did there, right? If you list three things out and even if you're wrong, they're going to still tell you because they know you did your homework there. Absolutely. Uh, so, so use that to your advantage. So a question on your leadership style comes up because you mentioned uh, a bit about how you manage teams and lead teams. Do you subscribe to a specific leadership philosophy? I really don't. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, there's, there's sales methodologies and, and, and all that, right? Uh, you know, if I, if I was to classify or, you know, align myself with a leadership philosophy, I'll tell you how I've always viewed leaders okay i've always said that whoever i report to is a resource and that's how i viewed it and i feel like i am a resource to my team so in other words i report to the president of my company i have a phenomenal relationship with him but literally early on it was established right very crystal clear communication right like I, I want to make sure that you understand this because I don't want to, I don't want my communication to be misunderstood. I will do everything in my power to be successful and make this company great. But there'll be times where I'll need something 
and I'm going to come to you and I'm going to expect that you're going to reciprocate, right? That you're going to, if I come, you're going to ask me for all this stuff, right? You're going to ask me to do all of this and stack these and do that, right? <laughs> but when I come back and I ask for something, you're my resource. Yeah. I've always, always just kind of had that. And so I look at my team the same way and I tell them every single day, literally every day, I say, what do you, what, what do you need for me to be successful? So if that is aligned to something, I would say it's servant leadership. Again, you know, Danny, it comes right back to being human, right? Just like when you get on a call, you got to be human. Well, in leadership, you got to be human too, man. Like, you know, people have good days. They have bad days. You got to be flexible with people. You, you know, you can't manage every single person the same way that you got different, you know, uh, you know, you got different backgrounds and philosophies and you got, you know, different personality types, right? So I have found that putting myself out there to my team as their, re their go-to resource. And you tell me anything it is you need, I will tell you yes, or I will tell you no. But if I tell you yes, I will deliver because it's about their success. It's not about my success. My role as a leader is to, is to build people up and to help them be successful, right? And in sales, that means I need you know, seven, seven of my 10 people hitting their numbers every single month. And so that is where I spend all of my time or as much time as I possibly can is spent making sure that those people, that, that seven of my 10, right, on a, on a hypothetical number are going to be successful because their success is, is the precursor, the key indicator of what my success is going to be. So it's servant leadership, I guess. Sorry. Awesome. Yeah. No, I was gonna. I was gonna say when you were describing originally said no, and then walking me through your your process, your methodology. I was like, okay, that sounds like servant leadership. You know, yeah. it, it's it's awesome. Well, um, you know, being from Indianapolis, you know, there 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 happens to be, you know, a guy who used to be a, a head football coach here who wrote the book on servant leadership. <laughs> uh, I probably it's it's someplace here. Like, you know, I, I, you know, it's, I, I have it. I've read it. It's, it's, it's tattered and torn. So he's a, I'm he's, a he's a university of Minnesota graduate and I'm, I'm from Minnesota. So he, he's, he's my guy also. Love, love that man. Very, love very him. good. He is a hell of a guy and a hell of a football coach too. Um, when you, when you think about, you know, your career in leadership, was there, was there an inflection point where you were like, man, I got this. I know how to be a leader. I can lead teams to success. Yeah. Um, I would say that, 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 that point for me where I crossed that chasm a little bit, you know, where I was like, man, that, that's it. Uh, was, I was at exact target, uh, early days of exact target. This is 2004, 2005. And, um, working with two amazing guys, uh, Dwayne Poole, uh, who's now like, he's the CEO of Anosics, which is, you know, in the technology space. He was our, he was in charge of sales operations. Scott Blazinski was my executive vice president of sales. He's now uh, the CRO at Jebit. But these guys were amazing, right? And they were, I've never, I had never been in an environment or a culture where this ops person who was just a data fanatic, like DP, his name's Dwayne Poole, but we call him DP. DP would just grind you down, right? Like grind you, man. But it was all about data, all about numbers, all about, you know, this is the, what we have to get to, right? It was all about ROI analysis and stuff like that. He was just amazing. He had went, you know, he had been at Ford before Exact Target and he was in the executive leadership program. Super brilliant guy. It happens to be, 
a gopher Wonderful. played baseball for him uh second base uh and then and then on the other side you had this guy named scott blazinski and scott was a colgate guy right he was uh he went to play he played football at colgate and stuff he's big guy you know he's a linebacker looked like a linebacker <laughs> uh, i think he was a defensive back the net net was these two guys man i watched them for five years like i was with those guys in the same office, literally the three of us shared an office together. I was the head of corporate sales. Scott was Scott ran enterprise, and then Dwayne was uh, DP was the sales ops. And and I and I just listened, and I'd never seen some, a, a machine operate like they did. Dude, we had thirty six quarters in a row of growth, not just hitting our numbers, growth. Right, Crazy. that was the tipping point for me. Was because I watched how they interacted, how they leveraged off of each other. And, and I, and I saw the benefit of it. Right. And I saw how your know, DP could take data and, and run these, you know, analyses and then come back and give that information to Scott. And then Scott would go run his plays off of data. That was the point for me, right? It was having that connectivity, you, you know, it's in Scott's famous words, man, inspect what you expect yeah. so you get but you, you if if the expectation is that you know seven of my 10 or 70 percent of my account executives are are, are going to be hitting their numbers month over month quarter over quarter etc and and we're at 50 what do you do you got to run an inspection you got to inspect right what you expect and i still use that every single day i literally every day it's i, I live by it that but that was the lesson that taught me it was watching how they did it and, and, and the absolute coalescence of, of data and, uh, and, 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 and leveraging that data to drive your plays instead of spaghetti on the wall, right? Yeah. Or shotgun approaches. These guys were snipers, man. Snipers. They, they knew exactly what our ideal customer profile was. And we did not talk to people who did not match it. We said, this is who we are. This is who... Uh, we are from a DNA perspective, right? It's our core competency is go and work with this kind of a customer. And clearly it worked, right? Salesforce acquired exact target, you know, $2.8 billion, you know, in 2012, 2013. So that, that was the tipping point for me though, Danny, it was to watch these guys and hear them and, and, and see the models that they put together. And I still use those models today. It's awesome. It's really, really awesome. I, I sit with my team and I say, uh, you know, on a per AE basis, you, know, you, you, you need to have 24 active opportunities at any given point in your pipeline. I know that you've got to be adding 1.6 net new opportunities on a weekly basis. Like I, I have that down, right? I know exactly what it is. And it's all based on modeling that I learned 15 years ago now. And it still works today. That's nuts. That's nuts how one, a couple people a stop along your journey can have that profound of an impact where you're still using it, still, still leading to success today. Uh, it's, it's really cool, really cool story. Uh, transitioning a bit from your leadership to how you work with early career sales folks, the BDRs, the SDRs of the world, how are you guiding those folks to success in their early days and really uh, as they, you know, transition into performance and out towards promotion. Yeah, it's great. I mean, you know, it, it's, I, I loved coaching. I love it. Love it. Right. I'm a, a born and raised an athlete, did it my whole life. I'm too old to do anything today, but uh, I, uh, you know, I, 
I take a pretty methodical approach, right? Like, you know, I, I just, I just brought on a new account executive here at, at All Cloud just recently, and, and I have a very prescriptive model that I follow where it is, you know, over the course of basically 120 days or, you know, four months, I've got it pretty well scripted out exactly where I want them to be at all given times. But, you know, for like a BDR and SDR, you know, it's about getting them comfortable, right? It's about giving them enough knowledge to, to where they, um, they're not intimidated. You gotta, get, you gotta get past the intimidation to have success because if you're intimidated by picking up the phone, it comes through, right? So what I do is I work tirelessly with them. I do, again, I don't give them scripts. I give them bullet points and I make them develop their own cadence, right? And their own delivery. But you've got to hit these four points. I don't care how you get them across, you hit these points, okay? And we practice and practice and we videotape stuff, you know, and then we play it back. And then we... Uh, you know, uh, you know, peer groups, you know, so it's a lot of, a lot of, um, I guess, simulation, if you will, um, uh, is, is, you know, especially in the BDR and SDR side, man, like it's, you know, now as they begin to progress, right. And they, and they move from, you know, uh, a BDR and my philosophy is first off, is if you think about a sales org and what's the entry point, the entry point is as a BDR, not an SDR. What's the difference? A BDR is taking inbound calls and qualifying, gathering information, learning about their business, qualifying or disqualifying to progress them to the sales team. An SDR is doing outbound prospecting, outbound calling. It's so much harder for organizations. This is just my belief, right? I've done this a few times. My belief is that if you start someone as an SDR, you are failing them. Because as a BDR, they're getting repetition, right? They're getting these inbound leads. They're getting repetition. They're, you know, who is all cloud? Well, you know, we are this, you know, you know, they're answering the questions and they get that repetition and they build confidence through that. Now you put them into the SDR role and let them leverage that confidence to go bring in that new, right? Too many organizations flip-flop it. They want to start people as an SDR. And that's probably why the SDR fail rate is so, so high. It's, you know, 50, 60%, whatever it is. I don't know. I haven't looked at the latest research, but um, I should probably talk to the bridge group about it. Uh, but um, so, so that, that's my belief, right? So you go BDR, SDR, and then into a quota carrying position. Yep. As they progress through that, you have to be adding uh, additional skills. And so, you know, as a BDR, it's pretty much, you know, uh, Q and A and and knowing uh, you know what the the key criteria are to define whether someone is qualified or not qualified and and if they are qualified what's the route they follow if they're not qualified then you go you know it's like are they qualified yes boom they go here if they're not boom okay let's put them in one of these three buckets right they're just information gathering right or they're you know they're not the right contact okay great who is the right contact let's go find that person. Right, so you got to build those models out, and, and if you're not building those models, then then you know you yourself are failing your team. Right, you can't expect them to go figure this stuff out on their own. So yep. as they progress forward, there's additional role, you know, additional responsibilities they have to take on, and um, you know, so uh, you know, you go from BDR to SDR, and then SDR into an AE role, and now as an AE, but you know, really as an SDR, they need to be being, they need to be getting taught. 
what they're what they will be doing as an AE before their quota carrying. So in other words, you've got to bring them in to those calls, right? If an SDR sets a call and is assigned to an AE, you let that SDR be on that call with that AE and shadow that AE for as long as you possibly can, right? Without having a, duplic a duplicative model, but you want to get them real world experience and hear what the best of the best are doing. It goes back to how I learned. I watched my dad. So you want to pair them up, let them listen in and let them, and then, and then have them actually, you know, if you, if you use a PowerPoint deck or you run a demo or whatever your organization does, whatever your product is, let the SDR go make some errors, right? Let them run a demo, yep. but have someone yep. with them. Let them run that deck, but have someone with them that can step in and help them before they're a quota carrying person. Instead, what I see happen all the time, it's like, oh, you progressed and now you're here and now you're quota carrying and you got to do $150,000 in welcome to your first month. And the AE's like, shit, I don't, I mean, like, I'm still waiting for <laughs> my login to run a demo and I don't even yeah, know what I'm yeah. demoing. Bad expectations, man. Yeah. So, so what I'm hearing and what I'm starting to see, well, not starting, but, but what the themes that I'm pulling out from, from you and your leadership style and how you coach people is one, everybody's a human, right? This is the same thing, right? You're not just treating them like a number. Now you're in this new role. You got a number to hit. You are a sales robot. So you're a human building that team environment, right? A coaching mentorship, almost an apprenticeship. Like you yes. are paired up with somebody along the way to make mm -hmm. sure that you know exactly what you're doing before you're released in the wild and then, right? Develop your own own talk track, develop your own script. Uh, you you got this. It's it's yeah. it's up to you. Again, back to you, you can be a human salesperson and have your own voice and also succeed. So those are those oh. are really impactful. And um, you know, for for our audience, I just I, I encourage you to take that the, those pieces of advice to heart here. Um, uh, Darren, two more questions before I, yeah. I get you out of here. So one is, what's a common misstep that you see? young salespeople fall into early in their careers? Common misstep. They think a deal's done before it's done. Don't celebrate till you get the ink, right? Don't jinx yourself. But what that ultimately comes down to is they don't have, they, the reason that happens so often, right? They, they get the head nod, right? Yes, I want to do this. They even get the verbal. Yes, I want to do this. But they don't know what happens after that, right? So you got you to gotta work with Again, work with your champion, work with your mo your, your, your mobilizer in, internally at, at your prospect and say, okay, other than yourself, who else is involved? Who else needs to be involved in this decision process? You got to ask that way earlier than when you get the head nod, right? Because you need to get those people to the table. And that's that's a big, big problem, right? There's the inexperienced AEs, they, they accept one contact. Right, we know for a fact, right? The average, the average uh, decision includes six people, right? Yep. Yep. So it's our responsibility to figure out who those people are without offending the person you're talking to. I, I, I've seen it done so many, so many times. You got to be, in, you got to be uh, intentional about how you ask, though, right? You can't just say, "Well, Danny, I know that uh, you know there, uh, you know." The average business decision, business decision uh, requires, you know, five more people. Who are those people and what are their roles and what's their responsibility and what's their profile, blah, 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 right? <laughs> you can't do that right now. I'm just pissing you off. So instead, you got to say like, you know, I, I coach my team all, all the time and say, uh, you know, don't ask, well, who else, you know, like don't ask uh, who else is involved. I say, 
you know, outside of yourself, right? Because you don't want to, you, you know that you, the, the person you're dealing with is not the decision maker, but don't make them know, like, don't make them feel insignificant. Say, listen, I really appreciate all the time we spent together. This has been awesome. You know, outside of yourself, who are the other people who will be involved in the evaluation and ultimately the decision? Oh, well, it's going to be Sally and Betty and Bill and Bob. Okay, great, man. Like, let's talk about what their priorities are, right? I, I understand yours, Danny. I know what, what's critical to you. But if you were, if if Sally was here, right, your, your, your big three are, you know, increase, right, you know, drive more leads, higher conversion, Right. And, and, uh, and, and because you're in marketing, so I want to increase my leads, have a better conversion and lower cost per lead. Okay, great. Now Sally runs your sales team. What's going to be important to Sally? Have you had a conversation with Sally about this? Right. You know, what, what would be her three? Let's talk to Sally. Can we, can we have a conversation with Sally? I just want to make sure that we have clarity across this. Right. Can we, can we, can you work with me and let's get Sally on a call? Just take 15 minutes. I don't need to go through the whole thing because you're doing that for me. Right. You, you understand it. You got it right? I've coached you. I've coached you, right? You are good. You know what the solution is, but you know what the solution is and what it means to you in your position. Let's talk about what it means to the, the other five. Let's go have a quick 15 minute dialogue with each one of them and say, this frame it. This is the solution, right? This is the problem that we're, we're attacking. This is the challenge against our business goal. What's that? What's it mean to you? Right. And, and once they get that, then they can then they can begin to develop that mutual action plan, right? That's why I call it a map, right? But yep. it's really a mutual action plan. And, and what happens is salespeople, they, they rely on one person. They don't get enough people involved. That one person goes dark on them, right? They, they go, yeah, you know what, Danny, you're good, man. We're good. I got you. And then the salesperson's like, okay, good, right? I got ding, ding, ding. I'm ringing my bell, blah, 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 whatever. You know, even though I haven't gotten my signature, a premature celebration. Uh, but... Danny goes dark. Then what? Now you're screwed because you never got past Danny. You never had. I, I say there cannot be less than three people in any deal with my teams. Minimum of three. That's the that's like the number one thing that I see AEs fail with. Right? Is they don't they don't have a they don't have a buying team. They have a buyer, but a that's never one person making that decision. So that that would be my number one thing that I see the most. Great, great answer. Great answer. Uh, we, we used to have this, this phrase back, uh, back in a few of the companies that I've worked with. And, and when I was a sales leader at a few of those companies, it's no high fives until the contract signed. No, you can't even, you can't even approach a high five. Mm -hmm. you, we, you could give a look like it's happening. It, it might be happening, but the high right. five, absolutely not until it's the ink is dry. It's okay to get a head nod, right? It's like, yeah, yeah you get it. Okay. Yeah. I think, I think it's, I, th I think we're moving that way, but yeah. no yeah. high fives. <laughs> Thank you. Congratulations. Don't give me a high five and damn it. it. If you ring that bell. <laughs> oh no, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> so, so last, last question, our favorite question yep. uh, with the benefit of hindsight. Now, if you could go back and tell younger Darren, Tomey one piece of advice, what would that advice be? I talked about it earlier, man. It's having uh, the discipline to do what others won't. And that, that's a broad answer. It applies to upfront research, right? It applies to reading more, you know, perfecting my own craft. It applies to, uh, you know, writing more, right? Getting my thoughts out of my head and getting them on paper. It applies to it, but it's all about uh, uh, 
personal development, that would be where I would focus, right? Uh, I would have invested in my own knowledge and my own development a lot more earlier on than I did in hindsight. Now, granted, 15 years ago, there wasn't a whole lot around, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you're like just going out and you're just like, boom, boom, let's go, right? Uh, and, and the world has changed. My God, if I had the tools available, they're available today. Back then, I've had a good career, but I could have had a great career, you know? But but I, I that is truly what it comes down to, man. Like, it's a great question, Danny. If, if, if I was to nail one thing that if I had hindsight, I would I would have invested in myself, right? I would have, I would have invested myself more, um, on the, on the development side, I would have invested myself more on, on uh, craft, you know, perfecting my craft, practicing my demos, my running demos for myself, running PowerPoints for myself, stuff like that. I do all of that today. You know, every time I'm, you know, speaking at Dreamforce or one of those events, hell, I'm spending weeks, weeks on a, you know, seven or 10 slide deck, weeks. But in my early days, I would just pop that deck up and just go and believe that eh, it's going to work out, but I've seen the difference. You know, I've learned that lesson. So it would be about, uh, it would, it would be investing in myself completely. Well, Darren, thank you so much. Our audience is going to love, love this episode. So much to take away, you know, from being a human to uh, understanding that going the extra mile at certain instances or throughout the sales process can really add a ton, not celebrating until you actually have the win, um, doing your research and investing in yourself. Uh, cool. we, we've learned so much today and I and, and the rest of the Ramp Careers crew, thank you for being here. Uh, we, we hope let, to me have... show you, let me show you one thing. Yeah. When I say investing in yourself, Remember I, when we first got on the phone, I was opening a box? Yep, yep. That's what came in. Beautiful. Love that book. I don't even know. Love I have no book. idea who sent it to me. Someone just sent it. Love that no book. Clue. <laughs> okay. No clue, right? This is all I do, right? That I have a stack of books, literally, that, that are next. These are next, right? I'm investing great. in myself. I'm 48 years old, and I'm not done learning. Okay. Love it. We love it. That's, that's the epitome of investing in yourself. Okay. Uh, blue fishing. Here's another one. I love this book. This is one of my favorites. Blue fishing by Steve Sims. Absolutely love it. Right. Like read, read, read. Don't follow one path, right? There is no one sales methodology that solves everything. I study medic. I study gap, right? I solution sell. I do it all right. But because you have to, you have to internalize it and personalize it or else it comes across completely bullshit and your audience will know your, your customer will know they'll call you out. Right. You want to be unique. You got to be well-rounded. Okay. It's, a, it's amazing. Amazing. Um, well, thank you, Darren. This has been great. Uh, we hope to have you back someday in the future. Uh, and I know again, our audience is going to love this one. So thanks so thank much. You. Appreciate being on the show, man. And, uh, can't wait to see it and, uh, talk to you guys soon. All right, talk Bye. soon.